and what she does and just her desire to work and, and her hard work that, uh, that she puts forth. And I really believe this. I don't think that uh, for a Christian wife and, and mother, I don't believe anyone works harder uh, in a marriage or a home uh, probably than a wife or a mother. And I don't mean that, I don't mean to comparing yourselves among yourselves. What I mean is, is that their work is like basically extensive. It doesn't, it goes into so many different areas and it, it really, a mother's work is, is constant. A wife's work is constant and a mother's work is constant. I mean, you are constantly a father, but you're not given the care directly of the children as a, as a mother is given the care directly of a children and directly of managing a household and managing the affairs of of your your husband and that's a very important thing I one thing that saddens me and I hear about this in Christian homes and I also hear about this in you know in the world but but especially in Christian homes it saddens me because they have the truth is that a woman will have a very if she's been saved out of the world and she's not quite grounded where she needs to be or has not been preached the things that a message like this will rarely ever be preached anywhere in pulpits in America it will not be and around the world uh, it's it's a very rare message today it can seem archaic right and 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 barbarian type message and and backwards to some people well the bible i assure you the bible is not backwards the bible is right god's word is right when god's word lays down the role of the sexes you are a fool not to follow it amen if you if you and i ignore what god's word says about those roles and about about our duties as believers in christ you are the only example they see. You're the only living example. I mean, not the living word of God, but the, the only living epistle written on hearts that, that, that people can see. And if you and I don't obey those roles, and if we don't follow them, and if we don't respect them, they don't, the world doesn't see it. You know what's happened? The church, the church has had their eyes on the world so long that they follow the world's model. They look at the world and they follow it. They've had their eyes off of Jesus Christ and off of, and by the way, when you have your eyes off Jesus, it means you have your eyes off his word. Do you understand that? Because you're not looking at the physical manifestation of Jesus Christ. You're reading the living words of God right here. And this is how you look unto Jesus. This is how you are told. You're not told to look for the flesh of Jesus. All these people say, well, Jesus came to me in a vision and he came to me and he visited me and he came to the edge of my bed and, and he came to this and he, came, and he did this. Really? Well, what did he write his word for if that's how he was going to do things? Why did he give you the words of God if that, was the, if that was what we were supposed to follow and look for? No, I'll tell you what. You like your fancy stuff so you can ignore what's written in this book. That's why. You want to know why people are looking for, are lusting after and whoring after signs and wonders and all these other things? Because they don't want to obey what's plainly in there. That's just the truth right there. If you don't, if you don't want to obey what's plainly in there, then you'll make up all kinds of phantoms in your mind of everything. I mean, I can make an excuse for everything. I can practice everything. I can do all those things. I can imagine I've seen all these things. I can have visions. I can have all, why? Well, because it's a lot easier to follow that stuff than just to follow the plain written word of God right in front of you. Boy, that's something else right there. That means it makes my, my way straight and plain. 
And like, yeah. See, God made it so perfect, this book right here. This one. This one. He made it so perfect that you have to willingly disobey it. Because he made it plain. Like, like you're not confused. If you read what, if you have God's spirit and you read what this book says, you're not confused by it. You come to a place where either you want to obey it or you don't. But it's not because, well, I don't understand. Oh, you understand. You just don't want to follow it. You'd like to follow a vision and, a, and, a, and all these other things. Why? Well, that's easier. Why? Because God gave me everything I need in this book. Everything. And man, I'll tell you, that means I can't get out of anything. Yeah. Yeah. You have to live up to your responsibility as a believer. And your privilege, by the way. You ought to look at this Christian life as a privilege. Not as a, oh, this is a, uh, a terrible... Ta I don't wake up every morning and say, man, it's terrible to be a Christian. It's so hard. I don't do that. I've had hard times in my life, but it wasn't because I, 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 it wasn't because I didn't want to follow God and I wanted to just go off into the world and I, I begrudged my life in Christ. No. I might have had trials and tribulations, but I wanted to follow God. I just wanted to follow him. He showed me, he showed me his book, and it's like, well, I don't get to sin. No, I don't have to sin. I don't have to feel the sorrow of sin. I don't have to, my life doesn't have to be destroyed. I don't have to be destruction to everyone around me. Everything I touch turns to trash. I don't have to be that. I can actually be a blessing in Christ for the people. Like, my life can actually be used for his glory. I can actually be a blessing to people around me instead of a curse to them. Isn't that something? I've seen it, man. When I was a lost person, I mean, it just like, everything was just, like, I just, you know, everything was just destruction. And then the Lord saved me and changed me. And then I look at my, I look at my brother's life and everything he touches is absolute destruction. Because he would not come to Christ. He would not repent. And I watch him touch everything and destroy it. Just destroy it. Lives of children, lives of women, lives of family. Destruction. Everything he touches. And then I look and I see what God has done in my life. And it's not me. It's the Lord. It's the Holy Ghost of God. It is God working in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen. And I look at it and I, think, and I rejoice because I have the blessings of God. And I see it. I see the fruit of that work. Man, it, you cannot deny it. It cannot be. It cannot. It just can't be. When you look at it, it's just like the, the life of destruction before. And you would tell you what, if you, if you ignore God's word, you'll destroy people's lives. Not only yours. We don't just, you're not an island unto yourself, okay? You don't just affect you. You and I affect everyone in this room and the people that follow us outside of this room. We affect people. That's why we're responsible for what we do. I had a pastor uh, tell me, he, you know, he recommended some, you know, uh, psychologist or philosopher or something like that, you know, and he, all that kind of stuff that he was listening to him or whatever, and from a cultural point of view or whatever, and he's recommending that. And I'm like, well, you're a pastor. You, you got to be careful about recommending secular things that can destroy people, right? 
You got it right. You got to be careful. Well, they don't take it culturally, not not religiously. Well, this this guy's preaching the Bible. This guy's trying to teach the Bible from some humanistic point of view. From that's dangerous. I I'm not going to recommend that guy. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to trash him in front of you. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to completely and I I am going to trash that philosophy right in front of you. I'm going to smash it to the ground and stomp on it and spit on it and do what David did and I'm going to dump it in the, the brook of Kidron. That's what I'm going to do with it. Amen. I'm going to do what Moses did. I'm going to smash it and say, drink ye all of it. Right? Because that's dangerous philosophies. No, I don't trust these people. I think they're all a bunch of antichrist devils. If they don't follow this book, if they hate this book, why would I trust anything they say? If they don't lift up this as their divine standard for everything they do, and they don't hold this precious, I don't hold them precious. I don't hold their words as having any weight. I think it's a bunch of fluff and garbage, mostly. I think it's a bunch of humanistic nonsense. It's trash. It's worse than dung on a dunghill. Amen. How's that diplomatic for you? Okay. All right. Proverbs 31, verse 13. That was the introduction. Tell us how you really feel. Verse number 13 here. We'll, we'll back up just a little bit here. Who could find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. Are you looking at what she's doing? Constantly, she is a hard worker. Constantly, she is not backed off. Constantly, she is not, she is not being lazy. She is not... She is not sitting at home and doing nothing. She giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth the vineyard. She's not afraid to do the work. She's not afraid to put her hands to the work. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengthen, strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She... I'll tell you what that means in a little bit here, but there's a few different uh, applications for that. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She's working. She's got her hands in everything, right? A hard worker. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. What is she doing? She's always wanting to help. Always wanting to be productive. Always wanting to do something good for others. Being ready to serve, right? Ready to help. Ready to help your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Ready to be a help to a family. Ready to be a help to somebody. Even outside of her family when it's appropriate, right? She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. I want to talk about her clothing next week. I think there's a very mis a misconception about clothing with Christians as well. I think... I, I think that needs to be addressed too. The, there's modesty here, but there's also, there, there's nothing wrong with style either. There's nothing wrong with, so that's what she's explaining here. So the, 
there's nothing wrong with any of that. That's, that's what's being explained when you study those words. Study tapestry. Look at the definition of tapestry. Look at the definition of these things. Right? And everybody's going to have a little different style of what they like. Every lady is going to be different and all those kinds of things. Modesty is above all the important thing. But, but the other things that are involved with that, there's not wrong to have style. It's not wrong to look nice. It's not wrong to do those things. And I think there's a misconception there that, that really needs to be understood as you balance uh, Proverbs 31 with, uh, with Titus 2. There, there's no discrepancy. It absolutely fits perfectly. There's no problem there. And I'll show you that next week because I want to talk about that because I think sometimes people get this misunderstanding, you know, and, and, and some people, some, some ladies might look at some other lady's style and think, well, that's not appropriate or that's, that's why, because you don't like it? Is there anything sinful about it or you just don't like it? Doesn't matter if you like it, you ain't wearing it, Right? So there's a balance there, right? Everybody's different. Everybody, so we have to be careful about that. Uh, overall, modesty is the issue, but we'll, we'll cover that next week. Uh, we'll talk about that because I think that's important uh, to understand. And, and we have an every word Bible, right? So we look at every word of it and we define the words and, and look at it and see what, what, uh, what God is teaching us through that. So that's, um, and by the way, you don't have to like something that somebody else wears or some other lady wears or something like that. Um, I'm speaking to ladies right now, guys. We really don't care that much, but, but, uh, right, Jacob? We don't, we don't care that much, unless it's an opportunity to dig it. Jacob, a little bit, then maybe, or Garrick to make fun of my orange shoes. Still hurt by that? I haven't worn them since. No, I have. I'm just kidding. I wear them on purpose. What's that? I can't hear you. Oh no, no, we're not talking about pants on the ground and all. <laughs> We care if you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, are you give me flashbacks here. I have to, Stop. All right. Anyway, she maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen. See what she's doing? She's always working. There's a principle here that's, that, that showed the ladies, you know, here, godly ladies. There's a principle here. It's not just, work is not just for men. Uh, in fact, if you're a mother, a wife and a mother, you know full well that work is not just for men. You know <laughs> you're constantly got something to do. But, but anyway, it's important that we put in perspective these things. It's important that as we raise our children, they understand that, that work is not, not a punishment. Sorrow that was attached to work would be the judgment. Do you understand that? Work was in the Garden of Eden before the fall of man. Adam, he still, he still cared for the garden. It's just after he fell, he had to do it with sorrow. Sorrow accompanies work, right? All right, Brother Paul, when you climb that pole, you feel that pain in your back when you get home, right? Right? Or, or you ladies that, that um, you know, working around in the home and you get... You get sore and tired and hurting, right? Or a, or a mother with a child or birthing a child. It wasn't that, that you know, uh, birthing a child was going to be ever simple in that sense, but it would be attached with sorrow and pain. So pain accompanies work, but work is not, work is not sinful. You know, work is not a punishment. And we teach our children young that work is not a punishment. Yes, there's sorrow attached to it. Right, but work is a good thing. It's it's good. Thank God you can work, and you're not sitting in a wheelchair and you can't move. Right, Aaron? 
Aaron was in a wheelchair for many years, right, and couldn't. He had surgeries, and he's able to get up and move around and do things now, hey, Ben? So we thank God for that. So it's not a punishment to work, right? But there is sorrow that is attached to it. There is when you go to work and you have problems, guess what? What is that? That's the sorrow that, that would come, right, with, with sinners. So uh, dealing with sinners and all those things. But um, anyway, so she maketh fine linen and selleth it. She delivereth girdles unto the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom. And we're going to talk about the tongue of the, of the wise woman uh, later on uh, as we continue this series on Proverbs 31. But uh, strength and honor are her clothing. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. There's another Example. She's the opposite of that Titus of the women that are warned about in 1 Timothy chapter 5, which we'll get to. We'll, we'll cover that today. But, but she's, she's the opposite of those women that, are, that learn to be idle. She's, she's the opposite of them. She eats not the bread of idols. She's busy. Busy on good things, on the things that God has commanded to be busy on. Amen? Uh, there, there's, we can be busy for other things that we shouldn't be, right? But busy on good things. All right, let's pray. Father, Lord, please help us now as we look through this and we see these principles of hard work. Dear God, please help us all to have that spirit of willingness to work hard in our homes and for in our families and in our duties. Please, Lord, just protect our hearts. Help us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Proverbs 31, this wife is the scriptural model of a wife, and God has showed us in the scriptures what a wife should be. He's nailed it down for us. He's made it very clear uh, for us, narrowed it down in that understanding of what a wife and a mother should be, right? He, he didn't leave you without instructions. God didn't leave anyone. Well, I don't know how that, I had somebody tell me that uh, one time, they're no longer here, but well, I don't, I don't know. They're reading all these other books because they were trying to figure out how a family is to operate. And I'm like, well, it's all in the scriptures. It's all, I mean, it's all there. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm against reading other Christian authors or things like that. I do that too myself. But I take everything from the word of God, right? We, we look at the Bible. Well, God already made it simple. He told us what we're supposed to do. I mean, there's some practical things that will come, yes, and questions that you have. But God has made it simple. He hasn't made it confusing. We make it confusing, but God never made it confusing. He made it very easy, simple to understand. Not, not so much easy. Life is not easy, but it's simple if you follow the scriptures. If we need answers, we're to get them from God's word. And that's the problem today. Men have accepted modern psychology and modern philosophies of men or women. Self-help gurus are everywhere. And how to be a wife, that topic is no different. But God has made it clear and simple for you to understand what it means. And the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 22, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Boy, I, I hope you believe that. As a husband, I hope you believe. I believe that as a husband. I believe that. I believe I've obtained favor of the Lord. Absolutely. I believe I found a good thing, amen, and that God has favored me. Don't you believe that? Man, I hope you do. 
If, if you don't, there's something wrong. It's either with your gratefulness or your marriage because you should be thanking the Lord. You should say, yeah, I can say that. I can say that with confidence. Amen? I, amen. Can't you? I ain't always so confident about myself. I'm more confident about that than I am myself, that God has given me a good thing. Amen? I, I am. And I believe that. And I hope you do. I really do. If you don't, boy, you better get that. You better figure that out. Amen? Number one, this biblical wife, this Proverbs 31 wife, she works. I think people ask a really funny question when they say, well, does your wife work? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Somebody from the world asked that. Yeah, yeah, way harder than yours, probably. <laughs> probably. Right? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. And I mean that not just for my wife, but for all of you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they work. What do you mean they don't work? What do you, do you, does your wife work? Have you, have you ever taken care of a husband and children? <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, yeah. Right? That should be your testimony. That should be the testimony that you can give. Right? I believe women, though, have this fairy tale idea of what a marriage is going to be for them. Sometimes when they get started. Like Camelot or something. <laughs> that they will be waited on and that they are not servants. But we are all servants. But a biblical wife is a servant before anything else. She is a servant to her husband, and that is how she serves the Lord. That's how God made it. Overall, it is service to the king, Jesus Christ. In that service is service to her husband directly. That's how God made it. Over and over again, he states that in the scriptures. That's why you and I become better husbands, because we serve Christ. That's how you become a better wife is because you see overall my services to the Lord. That's, that's why you can serve the Lord. That's why a pastor can serve the Lord because his services to the Lord, it's through serving people, right? It's through ministering the word of God. It's through those things. But ultimately, why is that important? Well, because sometimes it's a very earthly, thankless ministry. Sometimes people don't really care that much. Sometimes people are upset. Sometimes people don't like what you do and all those other things. And you have to walk into that prayer closet and you have to know that you've been alone with the Lord and His Word and you're right with God and you just got to keep going. Amen. As a pastor, as a husband, as a mother, all those things, as a wife, that's, that's how we do it. The model's the same for all of us in that sense, right? Just the positions are different, but the model is the same. We have to follow the Scriptures. That's what we do. Now, I know there are women that have been so influenced by feminism, and I mean Christian women, that they'll work harder and hold down two jobs in the world, but to love and serve their husband and to work hard for their husband is something very foreign to them. Amen. I mean this. I've watched this philosophy in churches. I have seen it. They will work harder for an employer than they will on their own marriage. Now, they shouldn't be doing that in the first place. I understand that. But the point is, even before then, when they've come to the truth that that's not God's model, let's do it God's way, sometimes they're more willing to work for that outside paycheck than they were to work for their husband and their family and to serve the Lord through that. Sometimes they're more willing to do that. And that's a shame. It's a sad thing. I've seen it. I've dealt with it. I've pastored it. I've watched it happen. I've seen men in tears talking about it. I've seen it. 
As a pastor, you'll deal with a lot of crying women. And they have good reason to cry, a lot of them. And you'll deal with a lot of crying men, too. I've dealt with both. When you watch women work harder in the world and for another man and not surrender to love and work for their husbands, it's more common than you might think. Especially in churches that don't preach a good proper order either. It's like they don't have any concept of that. They have no concept of what you're saying. In fact, you just sound like a barbarian. You sound like a, uh, what's that called? A misogynist. Thank you. I was going to say miso misogynist, but misogynist. But uh, yeah, misogynist. Yeah. What's that? A masseuse. You sound like a masseuse. What's the matter with you? You eat a moose. What? Uh, no. A misogynist. You sound like a misogynist. That's what you sound like. No, I just sound like a biblical pastor preaching the Bible to you. But it sounds so foreign to you because feminism taught you something else, and it has spoiled you. That's so why the Bible warns you of not being spoiled by these, by these philosophies of men. They've been spoiled by it. You know, I, I've told you this story a long time ago before, but I'll tell it to you again. Uh, Curtis Hudson told this story when he was the editor of The Sword of the Lord. He bragged that him and his wife, that him and his wife had his secretary and her husband over for dinner. And she went to serve Curtis Hudson his coffee, her, the secretary did. And he told her, no, you serve your husband. He acted like this was some bastion of respect for marriage. When really the point was, why is this woman working for you anyway? And why does she feel the need to do this in this, in this sense anyway like this? And why wouldn't she be home with her husband taking care of him? Do you see what I mean? He, he bragged like that was a good thing. And I'm saying, well, you're the one that led the bad example. Right? Why? Well, because why don't you hire men to do it? <gasps> I don't pretend that this is not hated. You get it, right? Like, I, I already know it is. I stand in the face of it, and I love it. You have to understand, it drives me. It's like, a, it's like Elon Musk put a rocket underneath me, and I could just fly to the moon. And when I, when I get more, which nobody ever went to the moon, by the way, but anyway, that's another, no, that's, that's another conversation, Peter. But uh, anyway... Uh, <laughs> Me and Pete were talking about that one day. We were having a good conversation anyway. I was giving him a hard time, but like I always do. But anyway, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't care if he went to the moon or not. But uh, I know I haven't been there, so that's good. But <laughs> anyway, here's, here's the point, though, right, is that people hate this topic. Why? Because our world has changed so much. And, and preachers didn't, they didn't, I, I say it this way loosely, they didn't feel that they had to preach on this because all this stuff snowballed really fast in society. America used to be, a hundred years ago, America was a place that when you like showed up, you could guarantee pretty much that that wife was there at home, that the children were being taken care of, that the traditional roles were being held. That was just like, but now it's not like that. It's totally flipped up. And people are like, well, you need to get with the times. I'm like, no, you need to get with the Bible. Because I, I, by the grace of God, have no desire to change that whatsoever. I have a desire to follow that and preach it and stick it to them as much as I can. Because I know what damage they've caused. And you know who's caused the worst? Christian, uh, Christian uh, Churches or churches that have Christian schools and, and Christian colleges. They they've caused the worst trouble with that than anybody ever has. I, I believe if you if you ask me who would you lay in the blame on? Well, I wouldn't lay it on the world. Because the world just uh, heathens do what heathens do. 
But those that are professing Christians that have set up their, their, their kingdoms and they've set up their colleges and they've set up their Christian schools and they facilitated all those things, I blame them. They have literally caused the word of God to be blasphemed. That's what God said. You get that, right? Like, that's not my own writing. I'm not smart enough to write that up. That's God's word. It just says that, that, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And it's hated. It is hated. Why is it hated? Because they're rebels. And when you rebel against God, you hate what God says. When you have a heart of rebellion, you're angry with God. That's what happens. Never mind the fact that he couldn't see the forest through the trees. That's why, the, that's why this Christian woman wasn't at home with her husband serving him in his estate. It's so messed up, though. We are so far away from the biblical standard. It's foreign. It just, like I said, it just angers people. We've accepted modernism. We've accepted a sinful design of the marriage in the home. We've ex so then ladies are more comfortable working outside of the home and working for men. You don't think that has a, you don't think that has a other men. You don't think that has a direct correlation with the divorce rate? Really? You, you don't think so? You don't think that has a direct uh, correlation with why couples are getting divorced? Why? Well, they didn't know each other. If I literally talk to a woman at work like that uh, constantly, and I have to be around women constantly, which some, some of you do anyway, but if I have to be around them constantly, and I said have to, I mean it. Well, you may not like what I'm saying right now, and I, I it doesn't bother. I, I'm saying have to. I, I am. Why? Well, typically, look. I, I love the place that God put women, and I love women. I love my daughters, and I love my, and I would die for them, and I would die for you. Amen. I would gladly give my life for you in that sense. I would, and so would any of these men here. They'd be like, we'd lay it down right away, but to lay down God's order and throw it away to make people feel happy, not going to happen, not Amen. doing it. Not, not doing it. I'm not going back. See, I've opened up my mouth to the Lord. I cannot go back. I already did that. I heard a long time ago, God brought me through that and said, nope, you ain't going back to that way, man. I brought you out of that hell. What do you want to go back for that? What do you want to go back to Egypt for? I have no desire to go back there. Right? To make bricks for Pharaoh. I don't want to go back there. See... We, we've got it so messed up that feminism has taught this, and, and now it's so infected people that they don't even know how to handle truth. I'm talking about Christian people. I'm talking about, you, you don't see revival until Christian people repent. It ain't the world that repents. It ain't lost people that comes to Christ. It's Christian men and women repenting. That's the power that God gives. When they repent and get right and they lay down their idols and they burn their books and they destroy their stuff and they destroy that worldly philosophy in their lives, guess what God does? Works. <laughs> That's, I, I, you, you run around people talking about revival meetings and all these other things. Why don't you just get back to what a normal family is supposed to be? Why don't you start there? That'd be revival. Just, I'm telling I. I haven't even got to my sermon yet, Garrick. I, I... <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Open that door. Amen. But you know something, though? Seriously, though, it's treating men and women different, right? 
It's understanding that. You treat, they are different, by the way. Like, I don't look at my wife as some female dude. I don't, I, don't, I don't look at her like that. I don't look at any of you like that, you ladies. That's why I try to respect you, keep my distance, and do the things I, why? Because I look at you differently. Not in a bad way, in a good way. I respect you. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to uh, be inappropriate, right? I, I want to treat men and women different. I have a different conversation when I'm with a bunch of guys in a van rolling down the road that you never get to hear, thank God. But, but we have those conversations, right? We do. Why? Because we're men by ourselves having those conversations. But we don't do those in front of everybody else. And we're not being nasty or dirty or anything like that. I'm just talk, we're just talking like men. And that's just, there's a difference. There used to be a difference. Now women are more vulgar than men. I'm telling you, women, they're more vulgar in the workforce than men are. They just are. Anyway. Look at this clearly. The most clear and precise teaching in the scripture is one on, number one, who God is and what he did for us in Christ. And who man is and what God has commanded him to do. Those are very clear. They're the most clearest ever. The direction of every institution that God has made is laid down perfectly on the home and on the church. But the home today has a great disconnect with what a woman would work, that, a great disconnect, that a woman would work harder for a boss in the world than for her own husband. Do you understand the great disconnect that is there? And they look at women that love the Lord and love their husbands and, and serve the Lord through serving their husband. They look at them in a bad way. Like there's something wrong with them. Like they're, they, they must be in a cult. There, there must be something wrong with them. Like they, right? They're, they're a kept woman. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Don't you want to be kept? I thank God I'm kept by God. And God said, follow me. And what did he say? You're to keep those that are around you, <laughs> right? Your family. What does that mean to keep? It means to protect them. Keep them safe. Do whatever we can, right? Provide for them so, so they are safe, safer, right? In that sense. That's not a derogatory thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing when you see it. I'm amazed by it when I watch it. I watch it in my own family. I watch it in others. And the older I get, the more amazed I am by it. I, I just sit there. Sometimes I just watch all of you and I watch what God does and I watch those things and it amazes me because I see the beauty in it. I see the, the, I see the blessings in it. I watch it and I see it and I, and I thank God for it. Because then you go out to the world and you see the complete opposite. And it should not be that way. And it should not be that way in, in a church and among God's people. See, so all of women's best traits and all of her instincts and all of her hard work is being wasted in the world instead of on her husband's estate and on her children's. So think about this. The same thing has happened to the church. We've turned churches into corporations. So big corporations send their reps out to smaller franchise churches and they have the, 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 the Mickey Mouseketeers come and sing songs at their churches and try to attract the kids to go there, right? They, they send pretty girls into churches and they send, they send uh, good-looking boys into churches and they send them in there to what? To attract the youth out of that church and to get them to go to Bible college up there, right? 
They do their little song and dance and sing their little ditties, and then they try to get them over. Then they try to do their little. I know they're not really dancing, but but they but they do their they they do that and they try to attract you, right? They try to get you right. They get all the youth out of the church. Then they go up there to their their college and they build their empire. And and nobody never dawned on anybody to say, man, this is really bad. I'm like, why do you people do this? Like, why do you send all your people to Hiles Anderson? Why do you send all your people to to Clarence Sexton? Why do you send all your people over here to all these? Why would you do that? Well, I had one, I, I've heard pastors say this, well, they wanted to go in the ministry and I, I didn't feel I was, that was my gift. I wasn't equipped to do it. Huh? <laughs> uh, we got a little problem, right? We have a little problem here. What do you mean? And I got something for you. Guess what? God equips his church. He doesn't equip a college. He equips a church. And what did he say? And guess what? It's not just my gifts and and what God has provided. It's all of you. All of you equip that man to rise up in the church and to be sent out and ordained and laid hands on and started churches. All of you equipped him. It's not just the pastor that does it. Yeah, he provides the direction and everything else, but all of you do that. See the difference? But no, you got to go to Bible college and have professors teach you. Pay them a lot of money and live in their dorms and yeah, it might talk you out of the King James Bible and tell you tell you how, how there's mistakes in there, but we still use it. We still use it. I don't know. We'll use the King James, but there's a lot of mistakes. The best we have. God's leftovers. That's what happened. Right? And I just look at him like, I, I, I don't want anything to do with any of it. Amen. I, I hate it. I, I've grown to hate it even more because of what it does. Right. But you know what? They were the, the, the churches were the first to give over to those things. Yep. It's a terrible design. They sold their churches out. They sold their families out. Because, oh, we got to provide a place for these young ladies to go. How about her father's house? Yeah. Till she's married. What's wrong with that? Oh, well, I mean, she's got to get a degree in stuff. And stuff. Yeah, they get a lot of stuff, unfortunately. Right. A piece of paper. Right. Why? Why does she need that? Oh, because they have to be educated. Really? You can't be educated from your home? Amen. Phew. If you don't know how to find how to be educated from your home, I'll show you. Amen. I'll show you how to be educated from your home. I, I can show you. Right? That's the difference in a man and a woman. It's just a difference. I just respect the differences. I respect what God said in his word. And for that, people get upset. They don't like that. Why? I don't know. It's, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? It's a terrible design, isn't it? Makes it? It makes them hate me when I preach it. They can't stand it. The feeling is mutual, though. I hate their design, too. I hate what they do. I can't stomach them for destroying families and making women masculine and robbing the Lord's churches. I, I hate it. So why do you always preach on this? Because I have a lot of young people here that we're trying to raise up to show them what, what is proper. <laughs> That's why. 
that's why I have to go back and preach these things and deal with these things because I've because because we were all products of things that were wrong. Amen. We were all products and now we have to show what is right. That's why. Amen. You really think that was wrong? Yeah, well, no, I don't think it. I know it. According to the Bible, it was wrong. It was a really bad design. It led to a lot of disaster. Satan's number one attack on the family is for the mother to be out of the home, away from her children, focused on something else. That's the number one attack. And by the way, when you get that right, that's the number one thing that will be attacked. You'll be, people will look at you and they, will, they won't like you because you believe that. But I, I, I learned a long time ago not to care if people like me or not. Right? Because God said, just open your mouth. Speak my words. You won't have any friends. <laughs> there is no harder worker than mom or the wife in the home. Doesn't have to be a mother, but a wife or a mother. All of women's work, hard work is wasted on the world. This wife worked willingly with her hands. She was a hard worker. Do you understand that, that I watch women in the workforce as they try to compete with man and they cannot? They cannot without equalizers. In many fields they can't. There's no competition in the home. A man can never be a wife or a mother or a Mrs. Mom. It does not work. He was not made to do it. That's why God says that a woman will, in her glory, and she will shine in the home. That's where. That's where God's preservation is promised. That's, that's God's way. It's so, it's so archaic to people when they hear those things, right? Number two, she works willingly. She not only works, but she works willingly. She works willingly. She works because she wants to work. It is in her heart to work for her husband and their life together. No one is standing over her and making her work. She does so willingly. It is a labor of love, and it is from the heart. And when it is not from the heart, it shows. Whether you have a woman's heart or not, it shows. If she is sold out to the Lord, it shows. If she loves her husband, it shows. You can't fake that. You won't be able to fake it. I, I have counseled uh, couples that have been through uh, different trials, newly saved, uh, people that were saved for a while, in 17 years, I, I, I've talked with them and the problems, many of the problems that they had would, would basically come down to the husband and wife situation and how they dealt with one another, but also the woman, whether her heart was with her husband. Because if it's not, you'll make that home a wreck. It'll be a wreck. It'll just be absolutely a wreck. But this is a labor of love from the heart. It's not forced work. If your husband has to force you or press you, then your heart is not right. Because you should have a desire to serve the Lord and serve your husband. I mean, you can't force a woman to love you. <laughs> you just, you can't. You can't. And you love by obedience and you love by service. 
That's how you love, and you can't force that. You'll never be able, just like a woman can't force a man to love her. She sure can't influence him good. Amen. And God has the way for her to do that. He tells her how to do that. By her godly conversation coupled with fear, her reverence, her respect for her husband. But you know something? Her labor for her husband, her work for her husband, it, you can't force that. Like, you can't. Just because you put a woman in the house and you put a ring on her finger doesn't make her a biblical wife. I mean, it makes it right with God that you did such a thing. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. God says that's marriage, amen? That's, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Uh, but what I'm saying is, is that it doesn't mean that, you're, that your marriage is being biblical, that you're following the Lord. We all grow in that. The longer we're married, we've grown in that. You grow to respect each other. You grow not to slight one another. You grow to, uh, to uh, care for each other more and to put your, each other's needs before. Like your wife is willing to put her needs and you're willing to look at her and say, you know what, no, I'll, I'll do this. That's love. That's love in action. It's just, it's what we're supposed to do. It's not forced. It can't be. I can't make my wife do anything, right? In that sense. I mean, I'm not going to physically force, right? I'm, I'm not going to do, I've never had to, thank God. I wouldn't anyway, but, but <laughs> unless it was like something bad and I needed to, you know, like somebody was in danger or something. But, but I mean, I, I, I've never, I've never wanted to, like I've never, I don't want that. You have to pray for one another. And if, if your wife or your husband's heart is not right, you need to pray, and you need to pray in front of them for their heart to be right. You need to call out to God and ask God to deal with their heart if it's not right. I mean it right in front of them. Pray with them and pray for them right in front of them. Pray that God would work in their hearts. My wife reminded me years ago of something. She said, you, you prayed for me about something like that years ago. And, and I don't even remember it. <laughs> but she said, you did. You prayed for me about a situation. And, and God woke me up to that. When you prayed in front of me for that, it, it moved my heart. God dealt with me. <laughs> I said, you know what? I need to obey the Lord. I need to follow God. I didn't even remember it, what I had done. But she said, yes, you did. And it was very, and it, it scared me. Not, she wasn't afraid of me. She was afraid of that prayer to God, that God, <laughs> God's listening. And I'm, if I'm not correct in an area, if I'm not right in something, God's going to do something about that. Why? Because he's not taking the matter in his own hands. He's going to the only one that can change hearts and to deal with things, and that's God Almighty. Amen. That's who does that. You got to pray. What is meant here by that labor is that she not only labors diligently herself but finds pleasure in doing so. And this not because she has none to help her and is forced to do her own work. On the contrary, she is represented as a wealthy woman and her husband's head of a large household. But because she considers that labor is a duty for all and that idleness is a transgression of a universal law. This shows the power of this lady's testimony. She could have told servants to do everything. She didn't. She led them. She instructed them in that household. 
So for her children, she led by example and she followed through and she did the work as an example and then she taught them to do the work and led them in that work. She managed that home. That's what a lady does. She manages the home. She manages her husband's estate. That's her work. That's what she does. How about you? Do you work as hard as a as a wife and a mother to serve the Lord in your home? She discreetly and cheerfully rid, does her work with fervor and forecast. She, she works hard. She plans it. She looks at it. She manages it. She goes after it and she attacks it and she gets it done. Right? Her labor is willing. She works because she wants to work. I, I, I'll tell you something right now. I, I can say that about church members. I can say that about myself. I can say that about anybody. If you don't want to do right, you won't. <laughs> Just, I mean, if you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't want to surrender your heart to the Lord in whatever matter it is, for the, you, you just won't, right? If somebody is bent on doing wrong, they're going to do it. But they won't do it without a warning, right, from us. We'll give them a warning. We'll try to help. But you know what? No one can make you love your husband. No one can make you love your wife. God can change your heart. But if you don't want to do right, you'll find every excuse in the world not to do it. You will make excuses. I have people contact me and they make excuses. They, I'm, I'm tell you what. If they made money as, as quick as they made excuses, they'd be millionaires. They make so many excuses for why they can't do right. It is embarrassing. It's like, you know what, just do it. And not Nike either. But just. Yeah, just stop talking. And you want to have like hours and hours of talking, just do it. Go, oh, I'll try. No, don't try. Do it. What? It's just, it baffles the mind. People say things like, oh, I'll try. Really? No, you won't. That's why you're telling me that. You're not going to try. You're, you know you're not. You just ain't going to do it. So you're, just, you're using that as an excuse. It's sad, really. Especially for Christian people. Her labor is diligent. You know, 13 of the 22 verses describes her labor. She is the opposite of the sluggard described. Her candle goeth not out by night. Proverbs 31, 18, right? She eateth not the bread of idleness. Proverbs 31, 27. She is not like the young widows described in, turn there, 1 Timothy chapter 5. We'll start with verse 11 because I'll clear something up here real quick. It says, but the younger widows refuse. For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry. They were marrying the wrong people. Was it, they were marrying lost people just to fulfill their fleshly lusts. He's not saying that it was wrong for them to remarry. You understand that? He's being specific here. He's saying they were wanton. They were, they were chasing lust. They didn't care who they married. They just married whoever was, was around so they could fulfill their lust. That's what, that's what it means when he says that. They began wax, wax, 
to wax wanton. Study that word wanton, what that means. It's wandering eyes. It's wanton. It's lustly. It's fleshly. He's not talking about being remarried as fleshly and lustly. He's saying that this is inappropriate. They married inappropriate people that weren't uh, of like faith and practice. They were just people. And having damnation because they, ca they have cast off their first faith. Their life was going to be destroyed. And with all, they learned to be idle. How about you? Are you idle in your home, lady? Do you learn to be idle? Are you like these women? Do you learn to be idle? Do you waste and squander the time that God has given you? Waste and squander your marriage. Waste and squander the instruction to your children. Waste and squander the time you have to, to keep your home and to make it nice and to take care of things. Do you squander that time on, on idleness and on nonsense? There's people that know more things uh, from YouTube than they know about God's Word. I mean, they don't care to know what it means. By the way, if you don't care to know what it means to be a godly wife and you're a wife, you have an issue. You better get your heart right with God. Amen. You ought to care what the Bible says. As a husband, I ought to care what the Bible says about me being a godly husband. I ought to fear that. I had some fear for that. As a pastor, I'd have a fear for that, what God means, what God says to be a godly pastor. I'd have some fear for that. Be like, whoa, this is what God says I'm supposed to do and I'm supposed to be, and I need to pray towards that end. I ain't perfect, but boy, I sure want to be. I sure want to follow God. That ought to be your desire, right? That, if that's not your desire as a wife, what is your desire? Ask yourself that question what is your desire? And by the way, you can try to distract yourself all you want to right now, but God's got your number. Either way, I mean that. God, God, has your, God ain't going to let you get away with that. Once you hear the truth of things, we are, re we are responsible for the truth that we hear. All of us. We have a responsibility for that truth. You know, her labor is varied, says one. She has many skills. Modern, radical feminists have looked down on this lowly housewife. That's how they look at her. Oh. But that's a foolish perspective. A virtuous and successful housewife and mother is a woman of great ability and initiative. And her talents are certainly not wasted in the world. They're used in the home. It was customary among the Jews to bring up all the youth to useful and handicraft occupations. It was an excellent custom. They taught them young. They raised them up young to learn those things. It's the opposite. The, her work ethic was the opposite of this. And with all they learned to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also in busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. What does he say to the younger? I will therefore that the younger women marry. See how that, see how that doesn't, conflict with what he just said in verse number 11? Those younger widows that, that waxed wanton? That's what he's talking about. He's talking about the different classifications. These, these women would marry and do right. Not like the, those that waxed wanton, those that are filled with lust and they just married whatever was in front of them so they could get out and do what they wanted to. And with all they learned to be idle, he says, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house. See that? Mary, bear children, guide the house. 
Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Well, what does your life do that? As a married woman, do you, as you marry, as you take care of children, guide the house? Give none occasion? That means you're not causing the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme by not following God's order and you're caring for your children, caring for your family, taking care of them and being a godly wife and mother? Think about her energy. There seems to be within her a spring of unfailing activity, says one, and the completion of one task is immediately followed by the beginning of another. In her home, she is astir before the dawn, and when her domestic duties are completed, she gives her mind to the transaction of business without, to the best market in which to sell her goods and to buy all that she needs for the supply of her household. One said, we cannot conceive of this energetic spirit in a frail and sickly body. She must have been physically healthy and strong, and we may give her credit for having been observant of the laws of God in this respect as in higher matters. Be sure that she avoided whatever might weaken her body or deaden her intellect. He's talking about being a sloppy drunk, drinking booze and, and destroying your brains. Amen. That's what he's talking about. It's, this being the case, her constant activity would be a pleasure and would in itself contribute to the maintenance of her bodily strength. She took care of herself so she could take care of others. Man, if you're, uh, some of you been in a house with a drunk, a drunk mother, live like that they don't do so well right they don't do so well their children don't do so well right she doesn't waste her life sleeping and not being industrious but she's a diligent hard worker that manages her household her husband's estate she is up before the rest of the house she is planning and preparing her family and making sure that they have what they need there's no task in the home that is too small for her that she is too important to do. She does not expect her children or servants to do anything that she does not do by example. There's no task too small or little or medial for her. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth out not by night. Not out by night. She looketh well of the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. So when all these verses show us that she is a hard worker, right? That she, she doesn't play games. She, she works hard. She takes care of her family. She, she does the duty that God has commanded her to do. I'll read you a few comments here by, by this man here. He says, The form of female industry is superseded in this country by larger and more complicated machinery worked by steam, but the duty is not abrogated. Diligence in useful pursuits should be the grand lesson in all female education. The most brilliant accomplishments by the side of useful productions are simply con contemplatable in the eye of intelligence. True ladyhood consists not in birth, in jeweled fingers, in splendid attire, or in brilliant accomplishments, but in the diligent pursuit of those objects which contribute to the wealth of mankind. Even Alexander the Great is said to have shown to the Persian princesses his garments made by his mother. <laughs> he was a heathen, right? And Augustus, we are told, would wear no clothes but such as were made by members of his own family. That's something, isn't it? 
But this noble woman not only works as a manufacturer, but as a merchant too. She buys and sells. She is like the merchant ship. She bringeth her food from afar. She considereth the field and buyeth it. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Why does she bring her food from afar? Because undoubtedly she could not get it good, so good and cheap where she had it. So she was thrifty, right? She made sure she took care of things. By the way, this is all her husband's estate. It's not somebody else's. It's all what God has provided that family and home. And she uses it. She makes it to multiply. She toils as a farmer also with the fruit of her hands. She planted the vineyard, the field she has purchased. She cultivates. Again, her industry was not only cheerful and varied, but earnest. She riseth also while it is yet night. Her candle goeth not out by night. She grew. She threw her heart into her work. The woman who lies late in her bed sleeps away the spirit of diligence and hastens to the habits of indolent sloven and cast canting invalid. All honor to the mistress who is first from her bed and like a general summons her domestics to action. Her industry is useful. She works for others. She gives meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She is not afraid of the snow for her household. She looketh well to the ways of her household. Her children were well taken care of. Here then is the woman that such, who eats such bread and they have no right to and are dead weights on the industry of the world. Some about women that don't work in their home, don't take care of their family, don't do the things that God is commanded to do. Right? Men and women not fulfilling their roles are definitely a blight on society. They raise monsters of iniquity. They just they do, they raise monsters of iniquity out there in the world. Some women will rather sit idle whilst they live than seek wool or flax. If their husbands do not provide them proper materials for their work, they will consider it a very sufficient excuse for idleness. So in other words, oh, my husband's not perfect. He's not giving me everything that I need. So I'm just going to be idle and I, I'm going to waste time and I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do because of my husband. You know what? If we both make excuses, if my wife doesn't do what she's supposed to do, so therefore I don't have to do what I'm supposed to do, isn't that? That's a terrible marriage, by the way. It's like you're fighting each other. You're going to fight each other. You're not going to work well together. You're going to fight each other. Oh, he's not doing what he's supposed to do, so I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do. Great. So who wants to be right with God? Amen. Who wants to be right with God? Which one? Because for me, if my wife wasn't doing what she's supposed to do, I know I've got to lead by example and I've got to be right with God. Because I've got to answer to God. You know what too many people have done? Went to stupid marriage counselors instead of going to the Bible. That's what they've done. God makes it simple. You both are wrong. Why don't you get right with God? That's simple. There you go. Why don't you get right with God and walk with God? Why don't you set aside your selfishness and serve one another and love each other? Right? Why, why do you got to be selfish? Why do you got to live your life like that and be selfish? Oh, my husband's not perfect. Well, you didn't marry a perfect man. Eve did, and look what she did to him. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> Some of you will get that in a little bit. <laughs> That's one for the ages right there, Luke. <laughs> hey, that's all I got to say. Look what she did. <laughs> that's his fault. He, he said it, it's a funny one, though. Luke's going to, you're going to record, you're going to get that one, aren't you, Luke? Looks like I got to get that one on, on I got to get that one sound clip. That's going to be great. 
Ah, anyway. But the virtuous woman abhors idleness and loves her duty, and therefore she takes care to provide every necessary material and implement for work that she may employ her time to the best advantage. I've seen that in women in this church. I've watched them do it. I've watched them do it. I've also watched when it doesn't happen and people are fighting each other, literally fighting each other in their marriage, literally, li literally at variance with each other, at war with each other in the home. By the way, your home is not supposed to be a war zone. You know that, right? As Christians, I, d I don't know if, if your last IFB pastor told you that or wherever else you came from, but your home is not to be a war zone. Yeah, it can be a little crazy with children and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that. That's just normal stuff. I'm talking about you two shouldn't be at each other's throats and your home should not be this like war zone. Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine living like that. Like I, I can't, I can't imagine that. Yeah, you grew up in a war zone. I can't imagine going home and like being mad at my wife, like living mad at my wife or my wife being mad at me or us work. Like, how do you live like that? How do Christian people that name the name of Christ live like that? You're supposed to be saved out of that. Like fighting and arguing with each other and yelling at each other. I don't, I don't. That just, that just, it baffles my mind to see that when, it's like, really? Like, that's what you do? Like, you, you really? Calling each other names? Speaking nasty to each other like that? I, I, I can't imagine talking to my wife like that. I just can't. Hey, I, I'm a flawed man too. I sin. I got to get right with God. I get upset. I got to ask for forgiveness. I say things I shouldn't say sometimes. All those things. But, to, but vitriol and hate and like that stuff to come out of your, let it not be named among the saints of God. We're not to talk like that, especially to your own wife. Our wife to her own husband. When Abraham's wise servant sought a wife for his master's son, he prayed to God to direct him to a woman that would give proof of her virtue by her industry and politeness. Think about that. Abraham was like, is she a hard worker? Abraham, God, go send him. And if she does this and you see her doing this, then. Yeah. It showed that she was a hard worker. Why was that important? Because she was going to be on a mission for life. And that was not. And by the way, when you get married, you're on a mission for life. That's what it is. It's not a game. It's not, a, it's not great America or adventure land. Some of you don't know what that is probably, but it's okay. It's, it's life. It's not an amusement park, although it's funny sometimes. But uh, men and women have different tasks assigned to, to each, and each must employ themselves in their proper work. She is not a virtuous woman that neglects the work of a woman and intrudes herself into her husband's affairs. The good wife employs herself with cheerfulness about her wool and flax and leaves others to mind their own affairs. At the same time, if there is anything necessary for the family which cannot be provided... At home, she will take proper care. She's like the merchant ship. She bringeth her food afar off, right? She's a hard worker. She riseth also while it's yet night. Slothful women will not rise when day is come, but suffer the sun to run a great part of his daily race. You like that, how he said that? The sun to, <laughs> to run his daily race. Something about the sun. You might, yeah. Did you catch that? Yeah. The sun do move, right? right? 
Slothful men will not rise when, a day, when the day has come. They suffer the sun to run a great part of his daily race before they think of shaking off their slumbers. The virtuous woman often prevents the dawning of the day for she loves her duty more than, she loves her duty more than her sleep. But it is to be remembered that in the country, he talks about a country, I'm not going to go into that, but anyway, he talks about, you know, daylight and things of that where he was from. But how is she employed when she is out of bed? David speaks of rising early to praise God, and no doubt the virtuous woman will not neglect her devotions. For she is a woman that fears the Lord, but she does not, under pretense of religion, forget what she owes to her family. She is a good and not hard, and, and not hard steward in the house of her husband, and takes care that none of her servants want their necessary portions of food. It is a happy thing to live under her roof. Her maidens are encouraged by her kindness as well as excited by her example to perform with cheerfulness and tasks assigned to them. That means your children as well, right? As you train your children, they're happy to work with you. They're happy to learn from you. They're happy to grow and to learn those things, right? That's, that's the way it's supposed to be. Not, not for a tyrant, right? That's why none of us are to be tyrants like that, right? We have a good spirit so people want to follow and, and, and uh, want us to help, want, want, wants us to help them. She denies to herself the necessary refreshments of sleep and rest. This would be a piece of vanity when the inspired moralist tells us that her candle goeth not out by night. Her meaning is that she never wearies of her labors, nor indulges herself or her maidens in sleep beyond the call of reason and nature. In this sense, Paul speaks of warning people day and night, for no virtuous woman ever labored so diligently for the good of her family as the great apostle for the advancement of the kingdom of Christ. Right? So the example is the same there. Amen? Early risers. She is not the bread of idleness. She's a hard worker. I guess you get that point, right? So many will work hard outside of the home in, in, in um, careers and everything else. They get married, and if they do come home and to, to, to be a, a mother, and, all the, and, and many times they don't, uh, and a, a wife and a mother, and they don't work hard. They don't see their husband's estate as that same thing. They don't see their work as that same focus of importance. They see it differently. You shouldn't see it differently. You should see it as being more important. Why is that? Because your husband is supposed to be more important to you than any earthly thing. Number one, because you're one flesh. That's why, that's why for him, no earthly thing is be more important than you. Amen. And your wife should know that. And if she doesn't know that, it's because you're not loving her like you should. Amen. That was for you guys this week. And me for us to remember, amen. That that we're to we're to think on on them in that sense. And obviously it's the Lord overall, but but we we have duties and responsibilities. That woman should know that. She should know that you care for her above all else. And that you put no other earthly person before her. You put God before her, but you don't put any other person before her. Amen. I'm not I'm not kidding. I'm dead serious when I say that. You better not have friends and people you confide with and don't talk to your own husband and, and talk bad about him and do all those other things. You better not have that. Amen. That's not a friend that allows you to do that. Bash your husband or bash your wife. Tell the truth, dealing with things you got to deal with. But a wife, it's a different perspective than a husband on those things. That's the way God made it. We've got to follow that. We've got to follow what the scriptures say very plainly and clearly. Why is this so ignored today? Because it's uncomfortable. Because your life has to change. Because when you follow God's order, your life is going to change. Things are going to change. You're going to have, you, you have to make sacrifices. You have to lay down some things. You have to get right some things. If your heart is not right, 
with some things, you got to repent. And then that's going to make a lasting change in your life. When you see this in the scriptures and you see the truths of these things in the scriptures, they make lasting changes in your life. Like you're not the same. You won't be. Your family won't be. The way people treat you won't be. They'll think there's something wrong with you. Right? Feminism will teach, have, has taught them that that's, that, that that's uh, the persecution of the woman. When actually, what they're saying is witchcraft. Because the persecution of a woman is pulling her out of the home and sticking her in the world and making her operate like a man and be like a man. That is persecution. But sometimes people have Stockholm Syndrome and they love their abusers. Amen. On that note, I'm done. Father in heaven, thank you. And we, Lord, we pray that you just bless us now and help us to understand the truth of these matters. Help us as men and women to be hard workers for our family, for you, number one, Lord, but for our families and our children, to love them. And Lord, I thank you for the women of this church. I thank you for their godly testimony, their love for you, their care for their husbands and their children. And Lord, if there be any that, that uh, need to be right in those areas and whatever you've spoken to our hearts about today, help us as fathers and mothers to be right with you and as children. Lord of God, to be right with you and our little children, may they be saved by the grace of God, walking in the fear of the Lord. Lord, thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.